Hello there, and welcome to our podcast, Conversations in Noosa. My name is John Caruso. Tommy Rooney is a long-haired, long-bearded, tattooed lad from Gympie, Queensland, who grew up listening to punk music. He also has an infectious personality, and you can't help but like the bloke. Tommy is the kind of guy that you tell other mates about. In this podcast, we talk about his biker dad, barbering, tattoos, music, history, a wedding in Scotland, and his traditional English mum from Birmingham. Yeah, totally. I always refer to her as that traditional English mum, you know. Like, she was always big on manners and respect, and which is good too, because as you get older and you meet people who haven't been instilled with those kind of things, it's like, well, what, your mum never taught you manners? or So, yeah. So, I, I mean, in a, in a positive, and also as like a bit of a, a funny pun as well. <laughs> so, from the UK? Your yeah, answer? my mum's from Birmingham. Yeah, in the Midlands. So, yeah, we're actually going to be um, heading over there next year. My missus and I are going to get married in Scotland. So, we're going to go and see all the family from Birmingham. Say that again, Tommy. You and your missus. And my missus, yeah. Married in Scotland. Married in Scotland, yeah. Fantastic. I went to Scotland uh, maybe about 15 years ago. Went to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Oh, dude, yeah. Uh, we stayed at a place called uh, Dumbferland between Glasgow and... Edinburgh. Mad, near Stirling or something there. Loved it. Like oh, the, that would have been incredible. Is it somewhere that you'd think about going back to? Or? I loved it. I, lo- yeah. I want to go back uh, I want to go back outside of the festival time to yep. see what it's like when it's a bit... We were kind of the same just for wedding-wise. We're like, I don't want to be too touristy. But I was saying to the missus, with a background of performing and stuff, I was like, I definitely want to go back at the Fringe Festival time. Because it's even, even for comedy, I think it's one of the biggest comedy shows in the world for most stand-ups. And that's where they get their big breaks. And Yeah, I, I read that uh, like the population of Edinburgh swells by about th- four or five times, times. Like, with the input of people there. But what I loved about Edinburgh was the... Um, so the story is like it, it's it's one of the most haunted cities in in Europe. Awesome, yeah. Because uh, I can it, see you can do all the ghost tours and stuff. Yeah. Well, it was um, uh, I think pioneered like modern medicine with the body snatchers. That's where they wow. kind of dug up the was one of the first kind of uh, places where people that were interested in you know human anatomy. That's where it started there in, wow. in Edinburgh. And were they doing it more on like a like a roots level with no permission, just digging up cat- cadavers and oh, having think, a look around? I think and, that was the case. Wow. <laughs> Adds to the hauntedness a little bit. And uh, <laughs> and then all, all the authors, like uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle and Sherlock Holmes. Oh, totally. Edinburgh. J.K. Rowling as well. Yeah, I yeah, think she I did a lot of writing done. there. <laughs> <laughs> she did in one of those cafes. That's right. Yeah, it's almost a tourist de- destination So now. have you been? I've never been. Well, I, just, I went when I was about five over to the UK. But when you're that age, I don't really count it almost at my age now. I can remember falling in a river because I don't think I'll ever forget that cold, especially being a Queenslander. And I also remember my brother throwing a snowball at my head and it being nothing like the cartoons. It's like blood, you know, tears, everything. It was nothing like a good old playful snowball fight. So your mum was born in Birmingham. Yeah. When and how did she end up in Australia and in Gympie? Yeah, it's an interesting one because um, she was backpacking around Australia and she was in Cairns at the time where she met my dad and they're separated now. But even though I think it's a really romantic story, he was a bit of a rough biker kind of character and she was like this proper English lady backpacking around Australia. And so my dad basically bumped into her at this cafe and said, if you really want to see Australia, why don't you get on the back of the bike and we'll, we'll take you around. And then the rest is history. My brother was born and then I was born a couple of years later and I think all of his family, they moved to Gympie. 
So, and then con- somehow convinced my mum and dad that it was a great idea to move to Gisborne. What, what, <laughs> what does your mum tell you about life where she grew up in Birmingham and what life is like? Because oh, I'm, a, you know, we spoke the other day. I'm a small from a small town as well, Bundaberg. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I imagine that lifestyle is chalk and cheese. Oh, hugely. In, in fact, it was it was really kind of. Really interesting growing up listening to stories about mum growing up in a big city in the UK where they had all this culture and this influence and all this stuff. And again, I was in like Tinkan Bay. So it's like culture, influence. Like, this- <laughs> you can't reconcile those uh, place names, can you? Oh, it's I mean, like, you know, yeah. Gimpy, Bundaberg, Birmingham. Yeah. Um, and, and it's like they just don't go together. Do totally, they? yeah. Well, mum even talks about how she used to go down to Richard Branson's store when he first started Virgin Records. And it was literally just like grassroots by himself, little shop in there. And she'd go in there, he'd be in there selling records and stuff like that. And even that story, like, because I knew who Richard Branson was, you know, mum's like, oh, he owns all the big airplanes and stuff. You might have seen him. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, he started off just at a little record shop. Does your mum ever talk about going back? Um, I think at a stage she definitely did. I think after having kids, though, and, you know, we, we'd sort of already got mates and we'd established lives because I was about eight when my parents split up. So my brother would have been 10. So we were very established, I guess. But I think mum, I think deep down, she probably would have always loved to have gone back because I think it was also... But mind you, she absolutely loves her life and, and she's still down near Rainbow Beach now and she loves that they go cycling and go to the beach every day. And I don't think she'd even, you know, consider trading in that lifestyle for, you know, cold, wet, dreary, city sure. people everywhere. So, but it probably took a long time, I reckon. Yeah. What did you want to do when you were a kid? When you oh, thought, when, man, I grow, when I grow up. Man, oh, it's, it's funny. I was like, from a young age, I always wanted to do something like music or performing. I mean, my parents put me through acting school when I was younger and like picked up the guitar at a young age. Like, yeah, yeah, I want to be a rock star when I'm older and all these kind of things. So, Can I ask you about the, getting into music? Because sure. I, I played, uh, you know, a guitar when I was uh, oh, 16 from, no, from maybe from about 12. I've got a, I've got a nine-year-old awesome. who, uh, you know, he's already got a three-quarter size acoustic and electric and an amp because his grandparents have now I'm trying to get that fire that passion up my thought was I'm going to set it up just put it on the stand and every time he walks past he can give it a thrash and put it back down and then he'll you know he did it for a day or two then never touched it again totally yeah then I read the Keith Richards biography and Keith Richards granddad put the guitar high up on the wall where he couldn't reach it and Keith would walk in every day and Keith's granddad would look at the guitar and look at Keith and go one day, one day when you're ready, you'll be able to <laughs> play that. And he kept it away from him. Yeah. Well, what drove you to pick up man, the? I think the there'd axe. be a lot to do with that man because, like, it, I mean, I'm the same. Like, I've tried to get my little one heaps into playing guitar. I got a little keyboard and little drums yeah. and like, all this kind of stuff. And I think sometimes even just that kind of oh, it's there, so I'll get around to it, can kind of almost be the hold back. Because for me, it was actually, we had this guitar and it was my dad's. And I think it might have even been his dad's beforehand. It's a really, really old guitar. Mind you, it's got a snap neck and it's basically in pieces now. But I've always kept it because I remember we used to always just sit on the wall in the lounge room and it had like maybe three strings at the most, most of the time. And I just get it down and flick with it every now and then. Usually get in trouble. Like, hey, what are you doing? Stop playing with that bloody guitar. You're going to break it. It's already broken, man. What are you talking about? <laughs> and then I think it was probably around the same time as when uh, maybe mum and dad split. And I was like, we also didn't have a lot of coin growing up. So I was like, I've got these three strings on this random, you know, old acoustic guitar. I'm going to see if I can make this work a little bit. And I, and I think even 
my brother and I would always be watching Rage in the mornings and video hits. And like, I think from a young age, like my brother plays music and stuff. He never sort of gigged or anything like that, but it was always like, yeah, let's play music. This is really and cool. And what kind of music? And, oh, man, well, my I had a pretty good influence in music. Mum was right into Motown and stuff growing up, so awesome, soulful, big voices. Uh, my dad is a bit of a... It's funny, actually. He was heaps into metal and stuff like that when I was growing up. Like He was the one who probably uh, you know, influenced with, with Metallica and Anthrax and these kind of you know really against-the-grain kind of styles of music, which I really, really gravitated towards. But it's funny because years later, my dad listens to mainly big band and like, you know, like real sort of upbeat and real happy sounding music. <laughs> like, oh, you've done a bit of a 180. But at the same time, I think that's also great too. Well, what do you think was the cause for that? It could even be a little bit of maybe be, being more of himself as he gets older. Yeah. Because I feel like, you know, even with his motorbikes, he's always done up motorbikes and stuff like that. So when I was growing up, it was it was always big cruises with loud pipes and just like, you know, they look like a death metal song just looking at them. And then plus the music and everything that goes with it, which is awesome as well. But um, I think as he's gotten older, now he loves doing up the bikes that he had when he was like just a young man, like 16 through to 21, these little 125s, and he does them up just till they're original, nothing crazy or over the top. And I think it's probably the same with his music. That's probably the music that he was grown up and influenced by. So it's it seems like he's done a full circle. More nostalgic. Yeah, totally, than anything, yeah. Now, you got to play in a band, and tell me the connection again. The guy that played with you or managed you is now in a famous um, uh, are they based overseas but they're, they're from Gympie yeah that's right what's yeah. the name of the band oh, we worked a little bit with the, um, one of the guys from Amity originally or Amity Affliction Amity Affliction is yeah, the band. Yeah. Gimpy band. That's right. There's been a lot of great talent come from Gimpy. Yeah. And they're still going. Yeah, they're still going. He's no longer in the band, but they're right. still going hard and touring and stuff okay. like that. Yeah. And you, you played with him or he well, was- Also, he sort of helped us out with a lot of recording and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. What was that live music scene like? Because I know growing up in a small town like Bundaberg, there was a local soccer club and not a lot of other venues oh, yeah. where you could play <laughs> your music, and especially no one wanted to hear originals. Yeah, totally. So, You'd be way better luck doing a cover band down at your yeah. local pub. Totally. Is that what you had to do? Well, for years probably. Like, and and it's definitely something to be said there as well. Like, I think a lot of people they want to maybe go straight to, which is great. I think you should always start writing music as quickly as you can if it's something you want to do. But there's definitely you can't overlook those random pub cover gigs and stuff like that because that's I think where you also develop maybe not so much your sound but your feel with the interacting of a crowd, and especially if it's a song that they're already very familiar with. You can really start to play a lot better with that crowd artist kind of relationship. So I feel like I was quite lucky in that regard because my mum, she she was really supportive and real pushed us, you know, to play these gigs. And I used to play at the local art gallery and basically just playing like Pink Floyd covers and Green Day covers and stuff like that <laughs> until I was like, you know, I might try and write a song. And I remember like everyone basically walking out of the room when I started playing my first song that I wrote. It was like, yeah, but it was good though because, you know, I think um, I used to always call them bedroom shredders. People are absolutely incredibly gifted musicians. and But sometimes seeing them live can be a little bit of a bit of a letdown because you can tell they've never performed or just not comfortable yeah and you can just imagine like dude i wish i could just go and sit in your bedroom with you and watch you in your element yeah yeah you know true I mean? true so, well it takes to do you know you got to build up that that confidence that what you were talking about before how to handle a crowd and being interactive yeah. with a cl- crowd and all that kind of stuff so do you still play or is it just still a, play a past, music past but time? it's more of a pastime these days yeah. yeah i always say to myself i'll write another album eventually <laughs> but um <laughs> i'm also a master procrastinator yeah. <laughs> can i ask you how you got into the barber business is that what 
Yeah, totally. Cutting so hair? I was actually, I was working, because um, again, you never make a whole heap of coins, especially early days when you're playing music. So I always had a side job yeah. or a day job. And um, so when I left school, I had no idea what I wanted to do because I just was like, I want to be a famous rock star. What do you do between then? Will do. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> so I did a whole bunch of random jobs like concreting, laboring, all these things that were just hard work. And then I got an apprenticeship working for Toyota doing spare parts. And never been a car dude, still not really a car dude. And But I did my entire trade doing automotive spare parts. And it was good in the sense because I guess it wasn't like uh, an extreme passion that I ended up going following that instead of music. So it was great for that time. But um, I remember just not being fulfilled in it. And I used to volunteer at my friend's local, his dad's salon. And I'd just do Thursday nights because they did all late night and Saturday mornings because that was the free time that I had. And I basically just did that long enough until he was like, do you want an apprenticeship, mate? Do you want to get a job? I'm like, most definitely. That would be great. Yeah. What do you think has been behind? There's been a, it hasn't been recent. I mean, it's been going for maybe five, six, and maybe longer now, but this resurgence, uh, resurgence in blokes going to a good old fashioned barbershop. barbershop. Mate, it's funny. Like, we all love to joke and have a laugh about how much we don't like hipsters, but they've brought all this cool stuff back, I reckon. Because it's also kind of, I think, this combination of bygone era and this obsession with retro and vintage and all this kind of stuff. And I think people, in some ways want to relive their dads or their granddads you know bygone era in a way and but because we've modernized it like most shops and stuff have by making it less like a clinical feel and more like a cool like you know your dad's mate's shed hanging out with the boys around the motorbike (laughs) type feel so I i think that's definitely had a lot to do with it and um and probably just through a lack of there not really being anywhere for a bloke to go and just chill out and hang out in somewhere that's, I guess, a little bit more catered to things that they enjoy. Not to say we also get a lot of female clients and stuff, which is awesome, and because a lot of them feel so much more comfortable in that relaxed environment. But uh, I know a lot of people they don't like that real clinical salon no environment yeah. no and I love the way that, that, that scumbags is decked out as well um, what I love about I've been a few times and tapped my son there now uh, is it, it it's it's interesting hearing you say that it, the the hipsters may have been behind uh, you know the resurgence but I, I actually don't there are some barber shops who are too you know where it's too cool they're too cool for the room. Totally. There's yeah. not a lot of conversation going on. Everyone is too laid back. Totally. But there's a real vibe and an atmosphere where you work. And there's totally. a real, I, think- I wouldn't describe it as a hipster vibe, but it's a real fun, grungy, yeah. it's a fun element when totally. you walk in there. Well, we always try and keep it really high energy because it's also experiential. You know, like for some people getting haircuts a chore, you know, and so if we can make it exciting and something that people look forward to, then that's awesome. But you're so right, going back to that first point, it has become this, and I think the tattooing industry went through this a little bit and they're starting to come to the other side of it where there is somewhat of a rock star mentality behind it because it is somewhat of a cool industry like barbershops that usually look pretty groovy and it's got tattooed guys and girls working in there it's like oh yeah I'd like to do that but then I think some people let it get to their head a little bit and they get this <laughs> rock star kind of you know uh, yeah. mentality where it's like oh yeah you'd love to hang out with me I don't have to say anything and you'll enjoy this you know what I mean <laughs> so I think with anything you've got to try and stay humble is it true um, like you get into a lot of conversations with your clients do they talk to you about stuff that they normally wouldn't share or talk to other people about? Yeah, totally. Like, we, I mean, yeah, we, we've even, I've got a couple of clients who it's, it's kind of sad, but also good in the sense that you feel like you can somewhat be there, but you feel like they mightn't have anybody else to talk to, a couple of people, and they really do let 
every bit of their heart out to you just in that 15 20 minute period while you're cutting their hair and it's just equally kind of rewarding and also saddening to think that like ah oh. what, what do you think your role is during that when they're talking to you about you know it might be per- deeply personal things yeah i think you can sometimes tell if it is somewhat of a cry for help or i just need to talk to someone about this that i'm really you know it's really getting me down or something so if i can be a voice or a shoulder even just or just someone to vent to i don't have a problem with it at all yeah whereas i think again you you can get people who are a little bit like oh come on man i'll listen you whinge about that (laughs) (laughs) again it's like i think you've got to be aware that you know you're in this position where you might you might be the only person they talk to for the rest of the day for the rest of the week you know so true that's true that definitely happens i found it a lot more probably in the salon world and that was only because they're there for so much longer like with a barber usually a haircut they're in and out of the shop in about 15 25 minutes whereas sometimes if you're doing a full head of foils and a color and a haircut and everything like some ladies would leave the salon three hours later so you really get to know clients there i remember the first time i came into scumbags i came home and i and i spoke to my wife about this new barber shop that i discovered accidentally by the way awesome. i was actually looking for some but you are, and I hope your boss gives you a pay rise. You, you were like the, you know, the, what is it called? The maitre d? But the voice. Yeah. You're the, like the mouthpiece of that place. Oh, man. I mean, you, you're like, in as far as your personality goes, and you're the loudest and you're the most extrovert. And, yeah. and do people say that's you? They go, oh, you know, yeah, tell me sometimes. From, I think even. He's, you're more almost like the image of that place. Yeah. It's funny, too, because like, I've even had people. Just asking Harrison or saying to Harrison, oh, yeah, the boss cut my hair last time. And, uh, Thinking and he's it like, was you. Tommy's saying that you're the boss. I'm like, I haven't said anything. <laughs> and I think it does come down to like, I think just personality. I've just always been a, a bit of a, you know, show off. Like, hey, how you going? And I think it's also maybe just a deep resentment for rudeness. <laughs> I can't stand going somewhere and you're just not acknowledged. You, yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. just kind of treated like a, another fly on the wall. It's like, yeah. man. I want to feel like you're happy to see me. You know? Well, that's a credit to you because that that became that becomes a talking point. Yeah. Like I said, you know, I, I came home and I and I said to my wife, I said, "Man, I, I found this place called Scumbags," and and you know the the guy I didn't know your name name at the time, and I said, "But you know he's he's, he's full on, he's full on, <laughs> and he's loud, but it's great because awesome. as opposed to the experience I was trying to describe to you before where yeah. I'd been to other places, which was actually the place I was looking for because yeah. I'd only because I'd been there before, but it was like. T- too cool for the room. No one's talking. It's kind of this silence. You know, totally. everybody's going about their business, and that's what was a real point of difference. Totally, hundred to, to, to percent. And, and for most people, like people do really like that experiential feeling of something that's like something to look forward to. But it's interesting still, though, because I think a lot of that may even come down to because I've had haircuts from people where they literally say nothing for the entire haircut, and then they're like, "All right, twenty bucks, mate." You're like. Wow, that was hard to get through. <laughs> but um, for as many people who absolutely love the big personality, I also get people who they they almost can't handle it. They're like, "Oh, mate, you settle down." Eh? <laughs> like, what they would say that to you? Yeah, very rarely, but you still get them. And like, and which is good too because we've got so many different personalities across the board. It's like, oh, you might get love getting your haircut from someone else in the shop yeah. if I'm a bit too loud and full on and asking too many questions. Because some dudes they like to go in there, almost shut their eyes, and it's like, "Wake me yeah. up when you're done." Look, I, I, I got to admit, I, I've probably done that in the past, yeah. where I've closed my eyes just to think, uh, but not to be rude, but just to kind of. But mm. you're right. What do you want to do long term with that? Do you want to t- like take your skill or your trade and travel, or what, what's your yeah. what are your goals? What do you want to do? 
I think it's going to be, it's one of those things that I think I'll always do. I absolutely love barbering. It's um, because not only just the craft of it, it's very creative and you get to really freely express yourself over a haircut, which is also very instant gratification. So compared to other things like learning an instrument or writing a song or these things that just take so long, I love that kind of contrast. But um, yeah, I mean, I think one day I'd love to own my own shop and things like that. You know, I've even spoken to Harrison, the boss man about that before. And he's like, oh, mate, you know, maybe, maybe one day you'll buy a scumbags off me or something like ah, oh, like bro. a buy-in or something yeah, yeah we always talk about stuff but that, it, like even that's a long way down the track like, i love working for harrison and working with scumbags it's awesome but um yeah i mean it's also i always say that because i'm pretty inherently lazy i'd like to well what do you say that for I think when it comes to physical kind of stuff, you know, like I tried, like I was saying, concreting and laboring. I was oh, like, yeah. whoa, I definitely don't want to do that. <laughs> you want to do that every day? Like, oh man, <laughs> I'm tired after just a week of it. <laughs> so I always say, you know, it's one of those jobs where, you know, you'll never make the Forbes list for being the wealthiest person in the world, but you'll love going to work every day. So I do love that about it. But there's also other things I love to do in life, you know, like I was talking to you about, I'd love to even start a podcast and things yeah. like that. And just always, have projects on the go but well uh, when we talked about it um was it history that yeah, you love you, history what, what, yeah. what kind of what, what's your angle with that what are you oh, keen on i love prehistory and particularly things that are just shrouded in mystery you know like things that almost crosses over into the realm of like mythology meets history and you know like i've been doing a lot of um i, I love there's this research called graham hancock and he's fantastic i love reading his work because he's also he's got quite an imagination without it being in the realm of crazy <laughs> like he's still very you know scientifically backed with everything that he does and all that kind of stuff so i find that really fascinating because when it starts getting into the realm of like you know crystals and aliens and stuff that's when I start taking a step back like whoa whoa whoa, whoa. <laughs> let's look at the, the ground and yeah. the rocks and the archaeological site first okay yeah, so. can I ask you about your tattoos yeah go for it brother yeah when did you get your first tattoo how, how old were you 18 on my birthday like I was booked in on the day first thing in the morning and, and why um, it could be a combination of my dad was always tattooed and surrounded by tattoos and stuff like that. So it was relatively norm. And I think it also maybe comes down to that, um, especially when I first started getting tattooing is tattooed, sorry, it was starting to get accepted, but it wasn't fully like it is now. And cause it's like nearly 10 years ago that I got my first tattoo. So there's still just that little bit of stigma and I kind of liked it, you know, cause I was into punk music and all this counterculture where it was like, oh, I don't want to do what you, everyone over there is doing. Funnily enough, every single person has a tattoo now. <laughs> so how do you, what, what do you think about that now? Because I, I have a, a niece and a nephew and, um, they're, uh, I don't want to say heavily tattooed. My nephew is. Yeah. And I always I, I try, you know, I, I want to know why they got the tattoos, like yeah. whether it was uh, because a, a particular tattoo meant something to them or they were in a totally. certain But I've never really discovered the true answer. Yeah. Well, I, th I think there, I reckon, again, like there'd be a lot of different answers you'd find with depending on who you ask. Um, for me, I felt like I just couldn't get more tattooed quick enough like i just want to get as many tattoos as i could i want to get my face all done and all that kind of stuff really yeah in some ways you know you still want to do that a little bit yeah <laughs> but it's kind of it's it's become such a norm now that i feel like yeah. it's more rebellious to not do it <laughs> as yeah. crazy as that sounds uh, have you have you got a tattoo that you regret or maybe the artwork's not like is there um well that's another really cool thing is like most of my tattoos are done by some of my closest friends oh, okay and, yeah who, who are tattooists they own shops and work in shops and stuff like 
like that. But um, yeah, so I've never really regretted anything. Only one that I've always think about because most of mine are very not very thought out in a good way. Like no. I'm very much of the sense of like, if you've thought about getting a tattoo for like 10 years, you probably shouldn't get one. Whereas if you're more impulsive and like, yeah, let's get tattooed. Let's do that. Sweet. Yeah. You're probably not going to regret it. Like an ex fiance's name or something. Well, yeah, there's definitely ones that I think it's better to stay away from. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I, I'd never be completely rule it out or anything. I've been with my missus for about seven years now. Okay. And we, like I was saying, we're getting married in Scotland. And one of the things we're looking at is let's try and find a cool tattooist. And again, we're not going to get like Tani and, you know, and she's going to get Tommy. <laughs> but um, for example, I think she, my missus would like to get the coordinates of where we get married in Scotland. Yeah, see, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I yeah. think that's cool when there's a significance to... Yeah, to but the- it's still vague. Like you won't have someone walk up and be like, what's Tommy mean? Or like, you're like who's that? Like, I'll yeah. say ex-husband, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> or not that you ever think that that's going to happen. But um, I mean, I, I think that's... And that's sort of the way that I look at a lot of mine. Like people... Because I think there's a lot of those tattoo shows where you need to have this deep and meaningful do you go story. To some, do you get, tell me about that because it, it's a culture and a, a thing that I know nothing about. Cool. So, so what, what 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 do you do at a tattoo show? Yeah. All oh, right. So um, to be honest with you, I, I don't even really know. I've only been to a couple. I assume you've been to a few. Yeah, I've been yeah. to a few. Yeah, but even I sometimes feel like I've no idea what I'm doing there. I'm just hanging out and everyone's drinking beer. And <laughs> next minute, there's people judging tattoos, and so you do have those kind of like competition style tattoo shows. So you're looking at artwork. Yeah, and I think also. My mum was an artist. He's an artist. And so we're always surrounded by artwork. Mum was always painting. We're always getting taken to galleries and things like that. So I have always had a deep appreciation for art. But um, I think even on the sense of, like, again, getting tattooed by a lot of my friends and things like that, it's like I not only love the piece for what it is and it's just a cool artwork, it's like my, my friend designed that and made it and, like, he did that for me. Like, it's a quite a humbling it's experience. Unique. Which is an interesting thought because we live in such an entitled world where it's like, I watched this TV show where a guy did this amazing tattoo and he barely charged me for it and now I'm not happy with this thing that you've done. It's like, man... Be humble. Like somebody, it's an artist has spent, you know, most of their life probably learning how to do art. Yeah. And then they've also, you know, made themselves available enough to put it on you forever. Like that's a pretty humbling experience. Just, just what you're saying and tapping into, you know, be humble, be grateful. Are you a spiritual person at all? Yeah, I'm definitely, I'm not religious or anything, but I'm definitely spiritual. Yeah, I, I think... For me, I think spirituality is something relatively personal. It's forever changing and growing. That's just personally, because if I think back to my young, aggressive punk self, who was more of a somewhat of an anarchist mindset, and probably because I didn't really know anything about the world, so I was just angry. So I thought that was like the philosophy. It's like, oh, just just do and don't worry it's about gonna it. It's going to be like this for years. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. A couple of years later, like, nah, it's not like that. <laughs> so, yeah, like, again, and I think you draw it from so many things, like, you know, I love reading about say like one of I love Greek mythology and all forms of mythology and not because I take it literally but uh, even just the metaphorical stories behind all of them even the Bible and things like that I think sometimes it can be misled in like we have end up with this form of tribalism where there's for example this is just using two groups like say the atheists and christianity and people are like oh we can never be compatible because you believe that and you believe that and i'm never going to read the bible because that's for crazy people and they'll be like oh well i'm never going to be an atheist because then i'll be damned forever it's like i think there's something to be said to this beauty in all of it you know like i think the bible has some incredible messages and all this kind of cool stuff not saying that i need to go to a place every single Sunday and do it, which is fine that people do. 
But um, again, I can find equal beauty in, you know, say Star Wars or equal beauty in Greek mythology and things like that. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I think it's it's taking the good stuff of everything and just learning from that, I yeah, guess. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I love how your mind works and, and just in, in the short period that we spent, uh, you know, talking about whole range of stuff. I uh, really yeah. appreciate you coming in and, and oh, having a chat, Tommy. Mate, it's awesome. It's been great. Thank you so much for having me on, brother. Tommy Rooney was my guest today on Conversations in Noosa. I hope you enjoyed that. Rate and review the podcast on your favourite podcast platform and don't forget to tell your friends and family about the podcast and share it about on your social media networks. Remember, there are two fresh podcasts up on our website every Monday and every Thursday in noosamagazine.com.au forward slash conversations. Until next time.